0: Meditation.
1: Meditation. 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 Think it, depending think
0: on think it. the quality think of think You know, there's it, good days and bad you.
2: days. I mean, I mean days I days I is, wow, feel like soft. the waterfall of thoughts. <laughs> Every now and then, a nice... Um, um, I can't think
3: of anything. This is Meditation in the City.
1: The Shambhala New York Podcast.
3: Thank you for tuning in to the Meditation in the City Podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Leo. The title of this week's episode is Brave and Vulnerable. We all do it. Our minds are constantly inventively churning up versions of how we think we are or how we think we should be. How about being with what we are actually doing right now? We are going to explore that. In this episode, Jane Stevens discusses the role meditation plays in helping us rest with who we are by leaning into it with bravery and vulnerability. Jane has been a student in the Shambhala Buddhist tradition of Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche and Sakyong Mipham Rinpoche since 1983. She served as resident director of Shambhala training at the Shambhala Meditation Center of New York. Professionally, Jane Stevens is a photographer and an award-winning commercial and television producer. This Dharma talk was recorded in 2015 and away we go.
4: Think of someone in your life, someone that you know of, who you could identify as having those two qualities, brave and vulnerable uh, together at the same time one person, those two qualities. So just take a moment. Okay? Who can think of someone? Can anyone think of someone? Let's hear who these people are to you.
1: So um, I don't know if you guys have been watching the news lately, but I was really impressed by this uh, gentleman um, this black state trooper in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, Captain Ron Johnson, uh, he gave a talk to um, to a congregation, talking about you know the situation and uh, how he's trying to do his job, but at the same time he's feeling. He, he admitted that he he feels very scared and sad, and he listed a, a, a series of emotions. And uh, it just really touched me. Someone in authority, like that, um, especially uh, a police officer, and that situation. And uh, I was just really impressed. It showed that he had a lot of courage, and at the same time, he was very vulnerable about his feelings. So.
4: So he had. Uh, this person had a lot of courage in actually being able to say. This is
1: well, not just, yeah. I mean, I guess that's true. Having a lot of courage in being vulnerable, but also just being courageous in uh, doing the task at hand and, you know, working, you know, being uh, a black individual, an African American, and also being uh, a police officer and trying to create order and connect, you know, with uh, the governor of Missouri. And the white community, and also connect with the African American community at the same time. And it was just, it was just very impressive how he handled it. Because there's no way I would just imagine if, if I was in that situation, I don't think I could remain so calm and centered, mm-hmm. and uh, and vulnerable too. I mean, he was, re- he was really vulnerable. He even admitted that he cried, you know. So um, really touched my heart seeing that.
4: Yeah, that's. That's a great example. Thank you. Thank you for leading that off. You're welcome. Hi, hi.
5: Um, so I, I actually thought of my my son. Um, when my son was a junior in high school, through a, a series of really unfair events, he got kicked out of the competitive jazz band at the day before they were going to compete at Berkeley. Um, and, at Berkeley College of Music? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we, my, my husband and I, took him to the competition, and he watched his band with the person who replaced him at the last minute. And, um, you know, I saw a lot of things going through him, and a lot of realizations, kind of understanding the situation better, and afterwards, um, his bandmates came around him and he, he stayed, he was open to them and it was so touching to see him be so courageous and to, and to show up and say, you know, I, I belong here even if some people in authority say I don't and that his bandmates encouraged and supported him.
4: Thank you. Very nice. Who else?
2: So I recently met someone in a Toastmaster club. It's a public speaking club.
4: Mhm. Yes. Toastmasters. And yes. Yes.
2: Okay. And this guy actually gave a speech about his social anxiety, and. Um, how he was diagnosed by the doctor as being a social, having severe social anxiety or something like that. And he gave a speech about that. So first the fact that he was publicly talking about it and then exposing himself to that, both had a huge impact on me. That's it.
4: What was the huge impact? What was the impact for you?
2: The fact that he's very brave and at the same time vulnerable showed how much actually the doctor is wrong about him. Mm -hmm.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
0: And I was thinking of another kind of um, vulnerability, courageous thing, and it was uh, spoken to me by an artist who I knew, who described himself as an artist, as saying every time he makes a painting, it's like jumping out of a window and hoping that he lands on his feet. And that's another kind of way to be vulnerable taking a chance, you must be, to be an artist, and hoping you land on your feet. Yes. And many times you don't.
4: Yes. The bravery of the act of jumping out the window and the risk of things not going exactly your way. Yes. Not knowing what the outcome will be. Right. Feeling the vulnerability of that yeah, yeah that's it's great. kind of
0: in a way, a certain kind of goallessness that you really don't know where you're going to go, which is kind of uh, risky, I guess
4: yes if you're if you're one hundred percent invested, which when you jump out a window, that's a one hundred percent investment can turn back of yourself no. literally into yeah. your project, which is out the window. Yeah. Hopefully, his window is very low to the ground.
0: No, it's very (laughs) high, fourth floor.
4: You're scaring me.
0: (laughs) You're sitting up there yourself, right? Yeah.
4: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a long way down from the fourth floor. Great. These are um, beautiful examples. Let's have one more.
6: Yes, right here. It seems to me that the people who give the Dharma talks, that those are the two qualities that really uh, make the talks succeed, for me, uh, the, uh, the bravery and the vulnerability, uh, that, they, that people come and they're very real about their own lives. And I notice when everyone comes in, they're less related to each other than they are when they go out. <laughs> um, and I think it's that uh, bravery to, to be vulnerable and to really share themselves and share from their lives that, um, that brings me back those are two of the important qualities that bring me back.
4: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well said. Um, So there is the person giving the Dharma talk, who's on the edge of their seat, offering uh, to the best of their knowledge and ability their understanding of The dharma, their understanding of Buddhism, their understanding of their life experience. The fear of public speaking in front of people you don't know. The risk of chickening out, not jumping out the window, missing the mark taking no risk whatsoever, not showing up at all, which is a thought that I did have two blocks away from here. (laughs) Why am I doing this? Why do I do this? This is terrible. I'm never doing this again. I think this is terrible. This is awful, this feeling. I think, I think, I think, how can I get out of this? How can I strategize? What can I do? The mind gets activated. So that's a little touch of what's going on behind the microphone. What's going on in front of the microphone is the bravery that you are all exhibiting by being here walking through the doors, carving this time out of your day, deliberately choosing to walk through those doors, not knowing who this person is going to be or what this person is going to say, whether it will be a good talk or a (laughs) mediocre talk or a horrible talk, um, what you will feel like, what your emotions, your emotional state will be, what your psychological state is. You don't know, but you just walk through the doors and you sit on the cushion and you learn to meditate. Or if you've already learned to meditate, then you practice meditation. Or if you're curious about meditation and you've just walked in the doors and you had no idea really what this was all about, you are suddenly finding out that you're knee-deep or neck-deep into this situation called Shambhala, Shambhala Buddhism, meditation practice, the Dharma, sitting on a cushion on the floor, sitting in chairs, following the breath, labeling your thoughts, thinking, sitting upright, having a strong back and a soft open front. using your breath as the object of meditation. These are all things that you've either been introduced to or are familiar with and are placing your attention on. You're directing your attention, your mind's attention, somewhere right now at this very moment. So there's the placement of your attention, and then there is then what happens uh, (laughs) while you're placing your attention? What are you really doing? What are we really doing here? Who are we really? Who do we think we are? Who would we like to be? What do we aspire to? What do we like? What do we dislike? What are the things we really can't stand? Where do we wish we were instead of being right here, right now? So as you know, some of you most of you are familiar with this is this is the activity of mind this is your mind's mental activity it churns and it continues on and on and on meditation practice allows us to rest it's a method it's a tool it's a, a technique for allowing the mind's to rest allowing the body to rest and the mind Through that resting, we begin to notice that there is space between our thoughts and our being. And that we can eventually rest in being. And our thoughts can come and go but we still can rest in our being. And the more we practice meditation, the more we meditate, the more we know this. We discover this to be true. We, we actually know, we suspect it's true, and actually we kind of know it's true, and that's why we come here, and that's why we're interested in meditation practice. Because we know that it is a path to accessing who we are. So here we are. And what does that have to do with bravery or brave? Well, in the Shambhala tradition, which is Shambhala Buddhism, so also Buddhist tradition, in the Shambhala tradition, brave means being willing to face ourselves directly Being willing to look at ourselves directly without hesitation and without embarrassment. Being willing to be that firefighter who can see the situation directly, the fire, the people in the fire your job as the firefighter is to go into the building where the people are and rescue them. Who in their right mind would be a firefighter? Who if you were really thinking about it, about your safety and your survival, who would, be a fi- who would choose to, to firefight? You're taking your life into your hands, you're risking your life every single time. You don't know what's going to happen. And your job is to save someone else. You're a police officer in Ferguson. You're an African-American police officer in Ferguson. And sheer and utter chaos is rising around you. And emotions are high. And thoughts are very powerful and very oppositional. And in the midst of this, being completely surrounded by this chaos of emotions and powerful thoughts, this person is continuing to relate with himself, with his being, with how, what his experience is. He's continuing to relate with his humanity. He is a human being. And he's able to verbalize that and speak. And he does. And he feels and he is brave. He is himself without hesitation and without embarrassment. He didn't say, he didn't go through the process of choosing Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to say that, and I'm not going to cry because that's humiliating and embarrassing. And I don't want to be embarrassed in front of the country, so I'm not going to be that way. So helpful, how helpful is that, really? So this is what we're talking about in Buddhism is bravery. This, this kind of thing is bravery this kind of uh, allegiance to yourself, to your human being quality, to your allegiance to to what matters. Not what you think matters, but what really matters, what is real. So I'd like to do a little exercise right now. let's all do a little exercise right now on bravery. So if you could recall a thought or a series of thoughts that you would describe yourself as being unlike you. Something that is not like you to think, a thought that is not unlike you. If you see yourself as a nice person, recall a mean thought or a petty thought. If you think of yourself as a cruel and heartless person, recall a kind thought. Recall a thought that surprised you because it is unlike the person that you typically are. Just allow yourself to feel that experience of being surprised by that random, stray, surprising thought that is not typical of you. And simply rest with that feeling. Now that you have recalled the thought, how does that make you feel? How are you feeling about that thought? And now allow that thought to go. Just let it go. Let it dissolve into space. Don't need to recall it or dwell on it. Just let it go and return to resting in the present moment. Did anyone have any surprises, big surprises? Was this a, a difficult exercise to do or an easy one?
3: Yes? Is that really me? Like if you do things that are not yourself almost every day, is that kind of you or is that not you? So in
4: this in this exercise, we're um, before you go away. In this exercise we're talking about um, when you're on the cushion. So this is a meditation practice where you're allowing your thoughts to rise but not hanging on to them, right? We're labeling, labeling them thinking. We're just noticing that we're having thoughts and then we're just returning our attention to the present moment. This practice was bring your attention to a thought, a quality of thought, some thought you had, like of jealousy, anger, irritation, some kind of emotion that is just out of character for you.
3: I guess back to what I was saying, I don't know, I just have thoughts all the time that I feel like so, that are so different from each other that I couldn't tell if anything was not me or just out of character for me even during the meditation. At some point, I thought that I felt like I was a dripping ice cream cone. (laughs) Uh I don't know, that's weird. I don't normally think that, but I think weird stuff like that all the time. And then, (laughs) great. So then what do you do with that? What did you do with that thought
4: while you are on the cushion just now?
3: I kept thinking about it. (laughs) Um, I just kept thinking about it. I don't
4: know. So your relationship to the thought is that uh, this thought has come up, the dripping ice cream cone, and then you just kept thinking about the dripping ice cream cone, right? So it is the ordinary mind which gets on the hamster wheel and continues to think about the same exact thing over and over and over again and hangs on to it, like Gollum from Lord of the Rings my precious, my precious dripping ice-cream cone. So this is the movement of the mind. This is ordinary movement of the mind. Thank you. Yes. I caught myself judging um, someone who I really care about and don't usually think of harshly Um,
5: and it's so easy in life and in practice to quickly come back to the breath so you don't feel the judgment Um, and really what
4: it was was creating the space so that I could feel the judgment and it was really uncomfortable feeling the judgment was uncomfortable yeah because I'm not a judgmental person Um, but I am when I give myself the space to see it Mm mm-hmm thank you
7: Uh, I couldn't think of anything that was outside the ordinary um, in terms of the types of thoughts that I had. But once I realized that I couldn't think of something, that thought became surprising because I feel like I normally would, I, I normally consider myself someone who, you know, thinks things like that, that who has, who would be able to identify something that I'm not supposed to think. Um, So it was kind of this um, very circular thing for me. And once I realized that, it immediately became overwhelming. And I just felt this, I I, like didn't know what to do with it.
4: yeah beautiful what everyone has said is amazing it's amazing what we do it is amazing how our minds work it is amazing that we can create enough space through resting the mind in meditation to be able to identify uh, judgment a judgmental thought and to be able to say that is a judgmental thought that's quite a lot of space and then there's how we feel about it there is um thinking of ourselves as uh intellectual or highly intelligent or so talented as my mother would say you're so smart and so talented Yes, mothers um these things are we take on these descriptors of ourselves the way that we think about ourselves i i am creative i am free and i cannot be defined and i will not be defined and my mind will go wherever it wants to and do whatever it wants to and that is what I call freedom. In Shambhala, we call that wild mind or monkey mind, wildness of mind. The mind does everything it can to be active. It is our way. It's one of the things that we have. bravery. Being brave on the cushion is practicing being in the present moment and resting the mind so that we have enough space to be able to see what is truly going on in our minds, what is truly going on in ourselves. How are we really to really look in the mirror? And the activity of thoughts and the speed of thoughts and the force of thoughts and emotions, which can be summarized as huge clusters of thoughts, generate emotions from the Buddhist view. These activities of mind allow us to create a cocoon and a protective shell around ourselves. And we actively do this and it requires a lot of time, energy and effort for us to to do that, to completely recreate this shell in every moment. It's amazing the amount of energy it takes. No wonder we're exhausted. No wonder we look for a place of rest, refuge peaceful, calm, abiding, a place where we can practice meditation and kind of chill out from that never-ending activity. So this is a great place to come and rest and hang out and meditate and rest and relax and hear somebody say something nice or unpleasant in, in the chair, but you can, you know, you can be comfortable doing this. This is a place where you can come and be comfortable. But in order to really benefit from meditation practice, we have to understand what it is that we're running from, what it is that we are spinning when our minds are so highly active and so invested in protecting itself from just being here, being open, being gentle being available, being willing to fall in love. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. That's embarrassing. I'm not going to tell you I love you. No, you go first. I want the upper hand. You know, what is our strategy? What are, we? you know, what are our shenanigans? What what are the shenanigans that we pull? We don't even know. We don't know. We can't even identify what's going on in our minds when we're on the cushion. What kind of a thought? Well, notice a thought that surprised you at one point. It's kind of a simple exercise. Some kind of thing like jealousy. Did you ever notice when you were meditating that you were jealous? in Some thought train or somebody's bugging you? You just don't like them but you don't know why you're irritated by what somebody's saying you just can't stand it anymore you just got to get out you want to get out of your skin you want to get out of the room you want to get away from the situation and you spend all this time and energy and effort escaping your situation either mentally or physically You know, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun and when I'm talking about it, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. And yet it is what we do. We do it all the time. So here, with meditation practice, you can rest and also begin to see that you're doing all of this to yourself and you're expending energy that you don't need to. It's not necessary. Not when you're on the cushion. You know, who is in there? What is in there? Why am I so afraid of feeling vulnerable? It sounds like a great thing, being open, being kind, being gentle to myself and to others. Why are we so afraid of that? Why are we so afraid to be vulnerable? Because we think we're going to... Lose ground, die. We're going to die anyway. We've already lost ground. We're not even aware of what ground we're on. So, there. Bravery being willing to to face ourselves without hesitation or embarrassment is something that we can practice on the cushion am i facing myself am i embarrassed who am i being vulnerable means that we would have to acknowledge that we're sitting next to somebody we are together here we're vulnerable to each other we're vulnerable to ourselves this is our kind of state of being we are we're just vulnerable we don't have spikes we don't have armor there's these little bags of water and bones and this like mind that just thinks it's protecting itself with all of its thoughts protecting itself from what broken heart Your tender, soft, touchy, feely place, ooey gooey, squishy place inside of yourself. I have a strategy for not being vulnerable. We all have strategies for not being vulnerable. I'm just here to remind you that we are vulnerable. We're vulnerable people. We are people, therefore, we're vulnerable. We are all vulnerable. We are all brave. We all have this capacity. And one day, at least one of you will be up in this seat and giving this talk. Brave and vulnerable. How many people are feeling brave? How many people are feeling vulnerable? How many people are feeling bravery and vulnerability both. both. Right. That's why we have meditation practice. That's the purpose and point of the tool, the method of meditation practice, is to recognize our vulnerability, to know who we are, and appreciate stepping out and just being who we are, crash and burn or falling in love without falling apart. We can try. We can do this. It can happen. God, this sounds depressing. There must be something in my notes that's more cheerful than this. Jesus. Yeah, okay, so this is the cheerful part. So your thoughts and emotions, that, that protective cocoon, yeah, that's temporary. It's not permanent. It's changeable. That's the good news. It's changeable. It's temporary. Your thoughts, temporary, fleeting not based on anything. They're not solid. They don't have to rule your world. They will co- they will come and they will go. Fleeting and temporary. And because of that, you can go beyond that to bravery. To bravery in the midst of chaos, friction, conflict, fear, terror, you can be surrounded by these things without compromising your open willingness to meet and see the world as it is and face who you are directly, understand who you are directly without hesitation and without embarrassment. Don't be embarrassed to be who you are. You'll be amazed at what you can do when you stop spending all of your time and energy and effort rebuilding a, a wall of sand that doesn't hold or protect anything. So that's it.
2: So besides daily meditation, do you have any practices, techniques to sort of integrate um, bravery and vulnerability on a daily basis?
4: Yes. One is um, cultivating an appreciation for your bravery. So I would say look for those moments of bravery that you can identify in your own life. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be heroic, right? It's just that willingness to face yourself. You're, you're quite aware of who you are in some moment. It flash in a moment, but there's that. There's a recognition of that. So take a moment to appreciate that as, and identify that in your life. Uh, in terms of vulnerability, um, I found a very helpful practice is to. I'm married, so I have somebody that I love, and and that I love to be with, and um, that goodness and that good that feeling of love that I have for that person. I, you know, I recall on the subway, you know, going to work, recalling that feeling of that person. AND THEN EXTENDING THAT OUT TO EVERYBODY. AND RATHER THAN LOCATING THAT FEELING ATTACHED ONLY TO THAT PERSON, I'VE BEEN PRACTICING EXTENDING THAT OUT TO OTHER PEOPLE. SO LET'S JUST SAY, I I KEPT TELLING MYSELF ALL DAY TODAY, I LOVE EVERYBODY THAT I'M SEEING AND COMING INTO CONTACT WITH AS MUCH as I love that person that I love, my husband. I love everybody that way. I love them that way. Really? I love them that way? Oh well, yeah, yeah, that's the exercise, right? I love them that way, I do. And if I love them that way, that feeling of love is what I carry. I carried that all day. It just actually made my day better. Um, but I, it was also pretty fun to do that. But I would say, do that. Think about others as if you love them. If you love them, how would you be toward them? If you love them, how would you think toward them? That person that's, you know, annoying you on the subway, or that person that's in your way on the sidewalk. But I'm irritated. Oh, but I love them. So how would I? how would I care for that person if, if I loved them just a little exercise it strengthens that sense of oh vulnerability you're actually opening up without telling anybody about it thank you sure
5: I was wondering if there's a difference between being both brave and vulnerable at the same time And fearlessness?
4: I would say fearlessness is more bravery. Fearlessness and bravery would fall into a category. Compassion and vulnerability kind of fall into a category. So fearlessness is not fearlessness warrior it is the lessening or lessness of fear fear is still there but it's not it's a lessening of it fearlessness so we're lessening fear we're lessening the power of fear to influence and determine our decisions um in life does that help okay yes yes
0: how does shame fit into this and trauma? Some things that are so hard to control, but are become easier if we admit to it. But
4: yes, so shame and embarrassment are very sort of similar um, feelings.
0: Shame is worse than embarrassment. <laughs>
4: Oh, it's worse. This feeling is much worse than I'm, that feeling.
0: Oh, well. well.
4: Right? But they are thoughts. The shame is still, from a Buddhist perspective, shame is an emotion that it is a cluster of thoughts, essentially. So it's a lot of thoughts all, all piled up together. You can think of it that way. And that's what emotion is. So what we're saying is allow some breathing room meditation practice on the cushion allows us to experience a sense of space, spaciousness, that's not... So we have thoughts, but they're happening in space. And they come and they go. But space doesn't come and go. We're still sitting on the cushion, we're still breathing. So these are the things that are real, and these are the things that are occurring in the present moment. So our thoughts and our emotions occur in the past and and we keep regenerating them, which is why we end up carrying them with us. Uh, They have a kind of momentum on their own. So with shame and embarrassment, with shame or any kind of emotion, it is you you want to allow some breathing room for that. So bravery is feeling the emotion. The emotion comes up, and rather than trying to push it away or get rid of it, we allow ourselves to feel it and have its own life without feeding it. It's just like, oh, it is what it is. And it can feel intolerable or overwhelming, but it is what it is. And then at some point, because, because it is a cluster of thoughts, it loses momentum and it will fade and other things become more important.
0: I love the idea that um, emotions are a cluster of thoughts. Hmm. Yeah,
4: it's, it's an interesting idea. And if you, if you sit on uh, the cushion and practice meditation, you can actually watch that happen. You can see how that happens. And that's why we meditate. That's why we practice meditation year after year after year because there is a deepening. We get stronger more capable of practicing meditation of resting the mind of noticing the space and appreciating the rest and appreciating the space and the the total environment that meditation makes available to us so all the other stuff that's going on can be worked with worked through let go released we don't have to be a golem character hanging on to my precious my precious thing whatever it is but we can actually be brave and look at why look at ourselves not worry about why i did this then but look at how does that express itself in me and is that what i want to keep growing in my garden or do i want to enjoy a sunny day a clear blue sky a moment with a loved one do i want to enjoy my life with human beings enjoy my life with animals enjoy this planet because it's also available there's everything's available so what do we want to pick up and work with, right? The, the scars and the trauma and the pain and the suffering and the torments that we have experienced in the past and experience in interactions with other people those things are not we cannot change those things through our thoughts we cannot change what happened we can only change our willingness to see it for what it is and see what else is also available to us There's so much more available to us than that one thing that happened to us, that one lesson, that one hard moment that was so costly to us that changed the trajectory of our lives. Yes, those things happened. Yes, they did. Yes, they were painful. Yes, it was joyful. Yes, those were the best times of my life. But also those were the best times of my life so far. We have so much. We have the gift of human life. We have the gift of human being. It's incredible what we are capable of. It's incredible. Who we are is incredible. So what of all of what we are and what of all of our potential is, do we want to cultivate? Do we want to cultivate bravery and vulnerability? Do we want to be available to ourselves? Do we want to extend love and compassion? Not only to ourselves, but to other people, where do we start with that? How do we even begin to do that? So, from a Shambhala Buddhist perspective, how we begin to do that is on the cushion, this meditation practice. We begin there, and we continue on there, and we finish there. The end of our lives, whenever that's going to be, which is a whole other talk. So we can do it. We're already doing it. We're already doing it. Good start, everybody. Have fun. Off with you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for staying.